0: Welcome to the Gods of Tomorrow podcast, where we discuss religious deconstruction, secular humanism, political activism, and epistemology. Together, we explore how to solve human problems with human solutions. We deconstruct, we activate, and then, most importantly, we live our fucking lives. I am your host, Josh Raw, and you are the gods of tomorrow. All right, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's do this shit. And we are back. It is gods of tomorrow. This is episode twenty-two. I am Josh Raw. You can call me Josh. A Catholic, a Protestant, and an atheist walk into a bar. They are talking about the true beginnings of life. The Catholic says, we believe life begins at conception. The liberal Protestant replies, we believe life begins at birth. And then the atheist says, we believe that life begins when the kids are out of the house and the dog dies. (laughs) I love that joke. Um, Just to let you guys know, we are going to go on a little journey today talking about the history of Christianity from about the 16th century to the 21st century. It's going to be a crash course. Come with me and you'll see how a religion fucked a nation. We are going to start with Martin Luther. That's where we're going to start our conversation today, looking at the history of religion from Martin Luther into America and its impact on belief in the 21st century. It's a complex, multifaceted narrative Um, It encompasses the Protestant Reformation, the colonization of America, and the rise of religious diversity and the evolving religious landscape in modern times that we are seeing today. So, without further ado, I imagine this is going to be somewhat of a long episode. I want to start, like I said, with Martin Luther. Now, I wrote a paper or two on Martin Luther in my Uh, 300-level history class back in college when I was thinking about pursuing a history degree. Absolutely loved this topic and delving into it. I remember when I started writing that paper, I was a full-fledged Christian at the time, and I had a whole different scope in how I understood and perceived the information that I was writing about. Uh, But this entire process from, you know, Martin Luther breaking away from the Roman Catholic Church with his 95 Theses, and starting this entire movement of religious reformation, has been something that I don't think we talk enough about, especially here in Western civilization or within the United States. Now, we're talking about the 16th century, uh, and again, Martin Luther, this individual was a German theologian, he was a monk, he challenged the practices and the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church. Many people have heard of the 95 theses that he published in 1517 that he nailed to the All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany, critiquing the sale of indulgences and called for a reform. This act led to the Protestant Reformation with an emphasis on individual faith direct access to scripture, and a rejection of papal authority, which sparked a wave of religious upheaval across Europe. Now, if I remember correctly, Lutheranism became the first Protestant denomination that was led by Martin Luther. This act really kind of caused a chain reaction of a number of different things, including Henry VIII assuming authority over the Church of England, then Queen Queen Mary coming along and reinstating Catholicism and persecuting Protestants, and then by the early 1600s, we had Queen Elizabeth I, who came back in and tried to reintroduce Protestantism. Shortly after, we see the German Peasant War and the Thirty-Year War breaking out across Europe, and in England, we see the Puritans emerging that are eventually going to split between what would be known as the Separatists, uh, who eventually became to be called the, the pilgrims that sailed to Plymouth, Massachusetts on the Mayflower. Um, and this, of course, was after they had failed to start their lives in the Netherlands. And then there's the non-separatists, who simply wanted to reform the Church of England, not necessarily break away, as we see the separatists want to do. And the non-separatists would eventually evolve into what people nowadays might call Calvinists. Now, this leads us into the 17th century. Uh, where we see the colonization of America taking place. As European powers started to establish colonies in America, religious motivations played a real significant role here. Puritans were seeking religious freedom in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. This was called the City Upon a Hill. It was considered to be a model Christian community. Um, And then we had Roger Williams, who was setting up a colony in Rhode Island where there were different religious beliefs that could be worshiped freely. And other Christian denominations, such as the Anglicans, the Quakers, with William Penn, and the Baptists, began to establish communities in different regions. The colonies were marked by religious diversity, and various groups sought to practice those beliefs freely from the constraints of European religious institutions. And it was in this way that it could be said that Martin Luther's intent to bring about religious freedom led to countless different churches, denominations, and doctrines over the last several hundred years. His act of trying to give individuals the ability to be free in their expression of religion, to have access to the scriptures, to not have their faith dictated to them by the church, led to this upheaval of war and discontent and separation and people fleeing the country looking for some type of religious freedom and then just a smorgasbord of individuals in america creating different churches different beliefs interpreting their scriptures differently and preaching a variety of different ways to approach faith Um, and trying to find some sort of balance in that so the colonies themselves could exist. Now, from here, we see the First Great Awakening in the 18th century, around the 1730s and 1740s taking place. And this is, to me, when it really gets interesting. I have made a couple of videos on this before, talking about it on my channel, Uh, but this is where we really see a religious revival uh, which was again was called the Great Awakening, just sweep through the American colonies. Influential preachers like George Whitefield and Jonathan Edwards were emphasizing the importance of personal salvation and an emotional connection with God. The movement fostered this sense of individualism. Challenging traditional religious authority and contributing to the growth of new denominations and religious sects throughout the colonies This was the beginning of in my opinion the evangelical movements and the idea Of being born again. That's where this came from It was really established in the church during this time that we were meant to be born again And our great commission was to go out and convert those around us. It was during the first great awakening that it was no longer preached that membership in the church or having an adherence to rituals would ensure an individual salvation. It was here that they said that an individual had to undergo a spiritual transformation through repentance and faith, and that people needed to have a personal encounter with God to see that done. And, and to me, that's just mind-blowing to think that we're talking about 1,700 years after Christ supposedly existed and preached and went through a realm of antiquity, that this is where we begin to see the primary uh, Protestant evangelical fundamentalist types of teachings emerging in Christian doctrine is here almost 1,700 years later. This is also where we begin to see emotional and experiential approaches to worship with these passionate dramatic sermons to evoke strong emotional responses to awaken sinners to a need for salvation this is where we begin to see these revival meetings taking place with participation Uh, it's becoming really popular you see people focusing on again on that personal relationship with god and rejecting you know just simply having to engage in sacramental rituals to be part of the bigger church They were heavily focused on unity among believers and accepting religious pluralism, promoting discussions around slavery, education, and gender roles. All that is occurring, again, during this first Great Awakening. Now, as you can imagine, this is what sparked a lot of the conversation in the development of the Constitution of the United States, um, which was ratified in 1788, Um, because there were so many different churches bringing up all these different denominations, these dogmas, these belief systems, and they were trying to find some way to allow them to exist without having the same type of heavy-handed approach that we saw in England and in Europe. And so this is why the separation of church and state was such a large um, topic of discussion, for the Founding Fathers, where they were trying to grant religious freedom to its citizens. Now, I recently made a video, again, on my YouTube channel, where I talked uh, extensively about the influences to creating the Constitution, to create that freedom of religion. uh, That led to the First Amendment, which was added in 1791 as part of the Bill of Rights, to ensure the freedom of religion, speech, and the press. I don't want to go through the entire history here with you, because it's a good several minutes of breaking it all down, but... The point is is that the legal framework that enabled religious diversity to flourish and that prevented the establishment of a state religion, allowing these various religious traditions to coexist and thrive, really came out of these discussions, these multiple churches springing up these multiple denominations that occurred only, what, 30 years prior to that? Something along those lines that we begin to see, maybe 40 years prior to that, uh, that This type of conversation is what led to the development of the Constitution in the way that we see it today. Now, once we start moving into the 19th century, the Second Great Awakening, uh, this is where we see another religious rival kind of just spring up. It's emphasizing... Things like personal piety and moral reform and social activism. New religious movements really emerged in this time, including the Mormons or Latter-day Saints, the Seventh-day Adventists, uh, which I want to say were called like the Millerites during the time, the Church of Christ, Christian scientists. This Second Great Awakening really played a role in shaping American culture, inspiring things like abolitionism, uh, temperance, and women's suffrage. All those ideas came from this type of movement. It was this belief in the imminent return of Christ and the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. It was such a prevalent part of their their preaching during this time because the turn of the century was coming right around the corner. It was this eschatological emphasis that really influenced the beliefs and actions of many of the revivalists During the Second Great Awakening, contributing to the formation of all these new religious movements um, that were predicting the second coming of Christ. Like really pushing this apocalyptic agenda uh, that maybe wasn't known nearly as well, um, or at least preached about as often prior to the time of Martin Luther. This was huge in regard to what influenced what most of us know of Christianity in the modern age. And from here we move fully into the 19th and early 20th centuries, witnessing mass waves of immigration to the United States that are being just overwhelmed with these doctrines. These immigrants are bringing diverse religious traditions of their own, including Catholicism, Judaism, Islam, and various other Protestant denominations uh, that may have been springing up in other areas of the world. And these diverse religious communities transformed the religious landscapes as well by contributing to the growth and the diversification of American religious beliefs and practices. And that's where I, I just really want to take some time to dive into what we've seen as a result of all of this in terms of a rise of evangelicism and fundamentalism that was sparked by these two revival movements prior to the turn of the century in the late 19th and early 20th centuries we saw that evangelicism and fundamentalism gained prominence Evangelicism emphasized personal conversion biblical authority uh, the spreading of the christian message Fundamentalism, which in my mind is a more rigid form of evangelicism, focused on the literal interpretation of the Bible and opposition to modernist theological ideas. These movements had a significant impact on American society and politics, shaping debates on issues such as evolution, prohibition, and social conservatism. Now, as the 20th century progressed, there was an increased emphasis on that personal conversion and evangelicism, and the authority of Scripture. Evangelical churches and ministries played a huge role in just shaping the religious landscape of the United States with influential figures like Billy Graham and organizations like uh, the National Association of Evangelicals impacting both religious and cultural spheres. Evangelicals and fundamentals became increasingly involved in political and social activism during the 20th century. The emergence of like the moral majority in the 1980s, led by figures such as Jerry Falwell Sr., marked just a huge shift in conservative Christian engagement in politics. And these movements is what sought to advance socially conservative agendas, like addressing issues such as abortion, LGBTQ plus rights, um, school prayer, religious freedom, their activism is what contributed to shaping the public policy debates and the formation of voting blocks, particularly within the Republican Party. And all of this again stemmed from ideas and conceptualizations back in the early 19th century during these revival movements. Evangelism and fundamentalism played a huge role in the development and growth of what Christian education looks like today and institutions in the United States the establishment of Christian colleges, universities, seminaries, such as you know Wheaton College or Biola University, Dallas Theological Seminary. They provided platforms for training evangelical leaders and shaping the intellectual foundations of movements. These institutions have had a significant impact on Christian education and the integration of faith and learning. This is why you hear me say so many times that I'm not interested in arguing with Christian apologists who go to these theological seminaries and learn how to argue through a very specific framework to not think about things critically, but just to parrot the information that's given to them from these fundamentalist and evangelical institutions. The 20th century also found a huge rise. In various media platforms that were utilized by evangelicals and fundamentalists to spread their message, radio programs, uh, television broadcasts, um, and of course, the internet has allowed evangelicals televangelists, uh, Christian media organizations to reach huge audiences and to influence people, uh, figures again like Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, Pat Robertson. They gained national prominence through their media presence and they amplified the influence of evangelism and fundamentalism. They've really left a long-lasting impact on American culture. And it's so interesting to me because many of these Christian ideals that we have been conditioned to believe have always been a part of American culture has not had a narrative that has lasted since the beginning of American culture Uh, in regards to Christian ideals specifically. That religious freedom piece that we know was placed into the Constitution was was kind of scratched out by the fundamentalist movement as we saw the Pledge of Allegiance adding under God in the 1950s as well as in God we trust being added into our money in the 1950s and in America's um, so-called fight against communism and socialism. Um, and it's these evangelical movements, these fundamentalist movements that have led to those changes uh, in our culture and the way that we perceive things. They, they contributed to the idea of Christian subcultures, including Christian music, literature, film industries. They have influenced the emergence of Christian bookstores, music festivals, uh, youth-oriented events like the Creation Festival, their perspectives on family values, morality, ethics. They've shaped a lot of our public discourse on those topics as well. Um, it has been just mind-boggling, the full impact that it has had on culture in the United States just in the past hundred years. Now, what has been very interesting to me is that in the latter half of the 20th century and beyond, moving into the 21st century, we have witnessed an increased um, activism for religious pluralism and interfaith dialogues between different parties in the United States. The civil rights movement, feminist movements, uh, the fight for LGBTQ rights has prompted a lot of religious groups to reassess their teachings and engage in social justice causes. This interfaith dialogue has been aimed to foster understanding and cooperation among different religious traditions, promoting religious tolerance and inclusivity. And this has been increasingly interesting to watch as society has shifted its understanding of what is acceptable and unacceptable, and how the religion, again, needs to change its identity politics in such a way to not completely lose its congregation. And I think that speaks a little bit to how we have seen even the text within the Bible shift and change over the centuries that it was written to change its rule set, its laws, its, its understanding, or people interpreting the Bible differently based on their current culture, saying, you know, oh, God didn't really mean that, or that verse doesn't really mean that, or that's more symbolic, in order to keep their religion alive and not let secularism just completely uh, rid them of their belief system. But now, in the 21st century, I have to say the religious landscape in the United States especially is evolving at a rapid pace. We see traditional Christian denominations are experiencing A regular decline, which has occurred since the 1990s, and the number of religiously unaffiliated individuals, often called the nuns, has grown. And uh, religions that are non-Christian in nature, such as Hinduism or Buddhism, are also seeing steady growth. And new religious movements and spiritual practices are emerging, uh, influenced by globalization and technological advancements. So this is kind of my brief rundown of looking at the religion from Martin Luther into the half of the millennium of the United States developing, especially in how this has kind of impacted the 21st century. And I find this endlessly fascinating. It's characterized by religious reformations, diverse religious communities, religious freedom advocates, uh, revivals uh, that have painted our history time and again, and shifted our way that we look at scripture and how we interpret that and what we focus on. And this ever-changing religious landscape, in my personal opinion, gives us some great insight as to how religion evolved in our shared history. Not even since the origins of Christianity in times of antiquity, but even prior to that as we start to unravel things in our archaeological evidence. I'm very interested in hearing what your thoughts are around this progression that we have seen and how these different revivals and ideas have shaped our understanding of religious concepts, especially in regards to Christianity's influence here in the United States and other countries around the world. That is what I have for you today. I know this has been a really quick um, run through review of history over five centuries or so uh so please let me know what you want to hear next what you want to talk about what you would like some information on but until that time please make sure you go out be the best version of yourself live your best life and as always do what the fuck you will